This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. All right, well, this show is a bit different. This is actually a crossover episode with my dear friend Matt Langston and his show, Eleventy Life. So for those of you who don't know who Matt Langston is, he's the one who really helped Sacred Tension get off the ground. He also provides all the music for the show. We co-run Rock Candy podcasts together, and he is the owner of the Rock Candy Recordings Studio. So he is a dear friend of mine, a colleague of mine, and we've been on kind of this weird journey together for the past three years or so, where we're just working through our past in the religious world, our, our past in fundamentalism and Christianity. And he has a new album out. It's called Basic Glitches. And that's what we were discussing in this episode. But I, I thought that I would share these episodes with you because it actually touches on the music that people love so much that is featured on the show. So if you like the music on Sacred Tension, if you like the theme song, and if you like the music that I play at the very end of the show, that's all Matt. And so you get to see the person kind of one of the one of the big people behind the production of this show and behind the music that a lot of people really love but also we are talking about kind of the eternal theme of sacred tension which is how do we cope with our damaging religious backgrounds and so you know if there's a theme that comes up again and again on this show it is we all have a crazy religious background. And now as adults, we're trying to figure that out. And we're trying to reconcile the good of that religious background as well as the bad. And there's often a lot of bad. A lot of us come from experiences of abuse and trauma, maybe sexual harassment, maybe marginalization of women or LGBT people, or just the toxic effects of living in a tyrannical and authoritarian religious structure. Matt has been kind of my uh, fellow traveler on this journey. <laughs> and we talk about that in his new album, Basic Glitches, is very much about that journey. And I hope you enjoy his perspective on life and religion and unicorns and synth pop. And without further ado, I give you Matt Langston. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Eleventy Life. I could not be happier that you are with us today because we have a couple of episodes that are coming up in sequence by popular demand. We're going to be doing a walkthrough, an album commentary for all of the songs off of our new album, Basic Glitches. And a lot of you have already texted in or wrote in different questions or things that you wanted covered in in this and a lot of these things we were not able to get to during the Facebook AMA and so I'm just compiling some of those questions and as we go through this experience together uh, I'm going to be trying to pretend like you're all in the room with me and we're just having a conversation about it <laughs> to make sure that everybody feels seen and heard speaking of 
in the room with me. I thought it might be a good call to have my friend Stephen Long of the podcast Sacred Tension, who many of you already know, to come in and be sort of a sounding board for this so that it's not me in a quiet studio all by myself talking about myself <laughs> to no one. <laughs> so, Stephen, welcome. Welcome Thank back. You. <laughs> you, you also forgot to mention that this is not just a Levendy life, but also Sacred Tension. Yes. This is airing on both podcasts. This is a crossover episode. It is a crossover episode. For anybody that remembers crossover episodes of your, like... Step. What was that? Uh, Ste- step by step and Family Matters had a crossover episode. I don't. I don't know if people even know what that show is anymore. I, but if you were a I kid, have no idea what you're that grew up about. in the '90s. Uh, we had we had Step by Step and we had Family Matters. Great. They were okay. So <laughs> you don't know who Steve Urkel is? Oh yes, or of the dysfunctional family riding a roller coaster. <laughs> I know who Steve Urkel is. Oh okay. So that's it. There's like a whole crossover episode where Steve Urkel gets a jetpack and like flies over into the set of Step by Step. Anyway. Okay, great. It was amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad. Um, how are you, okay, baby? Okay, Boomer. How are you, Cupcake? Um, yeah, I'm great. You I'm seem great. a bit washed up this morning, but that's okay. Oh, uh, we ev- all are. everybody knows. Everybody can hear it in my voice <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. So You're falling yeah. off treadmills. Yeah. <laughs> Do they know that story yet? Yeah, I think that okay, came out good. in the last episode. Very I was. Good. I disclosed a lot of information. I almost about fell life. off your steps this morning as I was <laughs> arriving at the studio. It follows me. It follows yes. me. This whole falling off of things, losing your balance. Yeah. So I almost fell down your steps. You could have just like come out of your house this afternoon looking for me and I would be on the <laughs> on the lawn <laughs> with a broken neck. <laughs> yes. Yes. So without further ado, uh, we're just going to go ahead and get mm. right into the episode. Um So the first song off of this record is a song called Killing My Vibe. I'm pretty sure that of all of the songs on the record, this one was probably written the quickest. It sort of started out with like this kind of blues riff that I was playing around with on a synthesizer. Just kind of took on a life of its own. I feel like on the last record, Rad Science, we were trying to figure out how to kind of ditch a lot of the guitars and have synthesizers fill in for them. And I kind of feel like with this song in particular, we nailed it, at least to our satisfaction upon the record being released. We'll probably get like a year out from now and not really like any of it, but Uh, such is life. So before we talk about that, do we want to talk about the concept of the album itself? Like what motivated the album, the place it's coming from, why it's called Basic Glitches, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> Thanks for slowing me down, Stephen. You're welcome. Yeah, so I I've had a really difficult time sort of explaining what this record is about because I feel like it's uh, incredibly personal, and my best way that I have of describing it is that I the songs I feel like sort of speak for themselves. When I'm thinking about how to convey what it is in my mind, like what the record's about, I feel like I did just that lyrically in a lot of ways with the songs. That makes sense. Yeah. So the whole idea behind the record itself is this idea that there are dualities in everyone. Like if you look at the album cover, you know, it's like a collage work of a tiger and a child. A lot of the a lot of the theme of the record revolves around there being a duality to most things, even to things that we perceive as being truth or things that we perceive to be safe. Um, in the case of the record, it's addressing a lot of different religious topics and 
sort of diving into the toxicity of certain types of religion. Just personally for me, what that's been like uh, within Protestant evangelicalism or growing up in the Bible Belt and experiencing a lot of that. So I feel like there's a lot of themes that kind of go along with that. And one of them is that, you know, like over the course of the record, I feel like I'm coming to terms with the fact that I don't that I don't perceive myself to be a Christian. I don't subscribe to being a Christian. And there's it's taken a lot of years of kind of an evolution of thought that's kind of brought me to that place. And this record is absolutely an exploration of that and sort of a coming to terms with what that's been like, good and bad. Because, yeah, leaving something that you kind of grew up with or having your understanding of something very fundamental in your life evolve and change and and warp into something completely different it's part of just growing up so <laughs> yes and this is my i think this is my favorite album that you've ever done i fucking love this album. <laughs> oh my god so i love the like i love the lyrical content in it i love the story behind it because i feel like i've been able to watch some of that process in real time yeah. in real life so we've kind of been on this journey together with Rock Candy and creating this space where like a bunch of ex-evangelicals <laughs> or people working through the right. faith that they were given, yeah, where we can do that safely. And so we've kind of been on this weird, uncomfortable journey together. But also, I just think it is like musically one of the best things you've ever done. I fucking love it. Do you want to sign my bare tits now <laughs> or after the show? Uh, is there parentheses around the word bear? No. <laughs> bear tits. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's great. That's where I am today. I'm five years old. <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah well, I, I have the body of a, bod- of, a, of a podcaster, which means I do, in fact, have bare tits. A podcaster. Of a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's definitely been a journey, and I feel like I have done my best to sort of bring everybody along with me that wants to be there and also try not to alienate people but at the same time I know that our like a lot of our band's history is kind of rooted in obviously like the Christian music industry which is primarily like Protestant and evangelical and so when we were kids kind of just starting out we didn't understand what that was or or what role we were playing in it we were just kind of like well we all identify as Christians, and this would be a really cool opportunity thing for us to, to do. Yeah, it'd be a cool yeah. thing to do because uh, all of our other friends are working really shitty jobs, and we just got offered this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were working awful jobs too, and we just kind of get offered this record deal and thrown into this whole world of like being in front of a lot of Christians and them thinking that you somehow have a more special relationship to our Lord and Savior, <laughs> then, then it's actually true. And the fact of the matter is we, we were just kids when we started out and didn't really know. And it's something that's that kind of happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with this record, I can totally understand why people that know that side of us would listen to it and maybe feel alienated or disappointed or... Have people be- been... Have you been getting feedback? You know, like the that? the weird thing is, I feel like we we've always it doesn't matter what we do, we've always gotten that kind of feedback. Okay, even when we were a part of like the Christian music industry, we get letters from people that were disappointed that we didn't reflect their Christian values or their Christian beliefs, or mm-hmm. that we said a curse word from stage, or that we made it a joke about something that they thought was really 
not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. So there's just always been that. There's always been that walking that line of like you can't just can't please everybody. And if you spend all of your time and creative energy just walking on eggshells around everyone, you rob yourself of you. Like yes. you ultimately just become, you know, an app for yeah. people to touch. And that's it. And you start you start to feel like this incredibly brittle thing that can just break at any right. moment. Like you're trying to protect this this brand, this image of you. Yeah. And I am personally so fucking done with that because, okay, <laughs> sorry, I, I forget. It's been a while since I've been on Eleventy Life. Can I, can I swear you on Eleventy Life? You can say anything you want here. This is I a forget, completely safe I forget space. what the difference is between, like, talking to you off mic yeah. and talking to you I on I think mic. everybody that listens to the show knows that I... Probably I had I don't even want to call it a potty mouth. <laughs> I just oh I, I have a potty mouth. Yeah. I have a straight up potty mouth. So I, yeah. So I have been on either side of that equation that you just talked about. Sure. Where, you know, I used to I, I used to be a kind of Christian writer, religious writer, blogger. Um, I would go speak at festivals and all that kind of stuff. And people looking up at me as if I had a better idea of what it meant to be a good person yeah. than they were, than they did. Right. And I didn't at all. This was just something that kind of fell into my lap, and I was just doing it because it was something to do, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, of course. But, and I've been on the other side of the equation as well, where I w- where I have been like that little high school Christian band groupie you know, obsessing over some tooth and nail band or whatever. (laughs) And, and, you know, our friend Kevin McCreary talks about how, you know, our, our history is, is going through POD lyrics, looking for proof of God. (laughs) 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 So totally being like that, right. That person as well, looking up to creators and, I'm done with all of it. Now I try yeah. to now I try to create a space where I never feel like I I ever have to lie about what I think or who I am. I I think that's kind of amazing. I, I I don't know why it seems like there was a complete absence of that within the version of Christianity that I grew up in. It was always just kind of like toe the party line, make sure like this is what you, you're constantly being surrounded by authority figures telling you what the right way to live your life was. If you're being a good Christian, this is what your life looks like. If you're serving the Lord, if you're doing the right thing, these are, you know, you you will receive all of these different kinds of blessings, whether it's inner peace, you know, the peace that passes all understanding, or, you know, in some cases it's material wealth. In some cases that's how God chooses to bless you. In other cases it's relational wealth. I mean, it's just all, the older that I got, the more all of that seems like a load of horseshit. Right. Maybe some of the most well-meaning horseshit that I've ever encountered, but just simply not true. It's just not true. Because you encounter people, you encounter truths about other people and truths about the your own experience that you're having here on the planet that is completely contradictory to that. They're yeah. like, yeah. And I think my real, one of my big concerns about that whole world is I feel like it puts people in a position of just having to perpetually lie in some way, making little white lies, maybe... Or compromise their own internal truth to fit in with the group. Which which is a form of lying, really. I mean, that is a form of dishonesty. Yeah. It's 
it seems benign in the moment, and maybe it is, but I think it all builds up to something very, very toxic. So like if you don't yeah. feel like you're allowed to talk about your doubts about God or the church or the historical record of Jesus or right. all of that stuff, if you don't feel like you're allowed to discuss that, then you're, you feel like you have to make, constantly make these little compromises. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think at the end result of all of that is just a lot of suffering. And I see that in your album. <laughs> I see you. I see you dealing with that kind of lifetime of suffering that that you're coming out of. That I that I dealt with too. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, and the weird thing is, it's like I'm not. I'm not the kind of person whose like first instinct is to try to place blame or try to figure out who's at fault. I feel like these are just, this album is very much kind of sifting through all of the residue of growing up in that specific uh, subsect of Christianity in America and kind of tracing a lot of the issues that I have as an adult now, like amazingly high levels of anxiety and existential dread and all of these different things that I'm, you know, beginning to trace back to all of falling this. Falling off treadmills. Falling off treadmills now, for crying out loud. I mean, can't even have a typical day at the gym because of this shit. But yeah, I just, I, I'm on my own journey of sort of unraveling the ball of yarn and seeing where that leads. And I need a, I need a, a very warm and kind and accommodating space for that to happen. And I'm learning how to give that to myself because for so much of my life, I feel like my brain has, has been a constant ball of yarn, a constant thing to be like Rubik's Cube that I'm always working out and that like the world around me, people, relationships, emotions, all these different things feel like things that I have to fix or manipulate or control or make better in some way or come to terms with in some way. And I've spent so much of my life just in that level of anxiety that it's at this point in my life, now in my 30s, I'm like, I have to, just out of necessity, have to figure out a way to be present, to accept, to just be here in the moment, to just accept what's happening. Gosh, almost like almost like creating your own sort of personalized AA meeting, you know, yes. where you have your own 12 Absolutely. steps. Um, and, and, you, yeah. and instead of going to therapy, <laughs> we take a deep breath, right? turn on the mic, and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. To the best of our ability. Is that a good overview? I think that's a great overview. No, I think that's fantastic. Good. All right. So now. Good for us. (laughs) Yay. We're getting through this, people. We are are feeling particularly washed up this morning. I didn't even drink last night. Matt drinks every single day. Way too much. (laughs) So I assume that he's hungover. (laughs) But I'm not. (laughs) I, (laughs) I feel like I am. No, I'm 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 not hungover. I feel like I, I feel like half of my week is me just constantly fighting a malaise. Yeah. Of just like where did my energy go? And the other half is me being the complete opposite of that where it's like I have so much energy and I can't mm-hmm. I get can't that. focus any of it. That's me too. Yeah. Yay. So that's maybe that's why we get along so well. Maybe. We have such similar neuroses. Yeah, or complementary neuroses. There you go. So should I try to dive into Killing My Vibe? Yes, do or, it. Okay, cool. So <laughs> I, I, we we just shared like a lyric sheet of what these songs are. Sometimes it helps me to like read through the lyrics to kind of get back into a headspace of what I was thinking about when I wrote a lot of this stuff. And so at the risk of all of this sounding self-important, which I don't mean for it to, 
but maybe it's going to as That's I'm talking okay. about it. Yeah, it just is what it is. I remember writing this song, starting out with that very first line, 70s sci-fi future just sent us the bill. We're all sedated and relatable and ready to chill. And I grew up like list, like watching a whole a ton of sci-fi stuff. I was a, super into Star Trek and Star Wars and The X-Files and all kinds of uh, 90s pomp and circumstance on television. And so it just like struck me that there was this you know, throughout all of the content that got created in the 60s, 70s, 80s, sort of projecting what we were going to look like in the future as a race, it always seemed to center around things being so much more accommodating and things being so much more civil and us being in control of our emotions and us having very regulated spaces in which to exist. I think a little bit of this also came from A Brave New World, by Aldous Huxley, right? Is that who wrote that book? <laughs> I hope that I'm, uh, I'm not misquoting George, that. George Orwell. Did not write Brave New World. George Orwell? No, Bra- George, George Orwell, Orwell wrote, wrote 19, War of the Worlds. 19, no, that's H.G. Wells. That's H.G. Wells. Pull okay. yourself together. <laughs> no, okay, so Orwell wrote 1984. 1984. Yes, in right. Animal Farm. Huxley did write Brave New World. No, yes. wait, is that right? Huxley, I'm pretty sure I Huxley always wrote get Brave those New World. I always get those dystopian sci-fi novels mixed up. Hold yeah. on. Brave New World. Okay, so while you're looking that up. Uh-huh. So that was that uh, all of those all kinds just Huxley. of Yeah, we're Yes. Good. All those ideas of of the future and what mankind looks like, you know. I feel like we are now kind of a manifestation of what a lot of those projections were, you know. Like the sci-fi writers of our parents have somehow very accurately predicted how we would be as people maybe not like to the extent that where technology would be yeah because we but where we we're are supposed like to be flying cars right emotionally now. and societally right but societally i feel like they got so much of it right particularly yeah huxley and brave new world i think so too um and uh ray bradbury with fahrenheit 451 yes have you read that oh yeah one good. of my favorites good boy yeah, Montag. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, so this song is just kind of, it's kind of whiny. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's kind of like an angry lament. Okay, can I tell you something really hilarious? Yeah. When I first heard this song, it sounded like a glittery synth pop Marilyn Manson song. It. So I'm a huge <laughs> Marilyn Manson fan, and it sounds like, Marilyn Manson. Too. That might be the highest compliment anyone's given me. Really? Marilyn Manson has amazing sounding records. Like yeah, he, he always does. has. Yeah, he does. No, this sounds like a this sounds like a Marilyn Manson song to me, in a weird way. <laughs> Maybe without my voice. I think I think my voice might yeah. make it a little. But too. just like melodically and lyrically, it sounds like a Manson song. Like it yeah. sounds like something from I don't know, like the Mechanical Animals era. Yeah, I think Back maybe I was 90s. trying to tap into a little bit of Manson, but also maybe a little bit of like early Nine Inch Nails too. Oh yeah, like it. It kind of strikes me as being a little Trent Reznor-y. Mm-hmm. Um, I I should say that in it was it's inspired by things that are Trent Reznor-y. I'm not <laughs> trying to compare myself to Trent Reznor, obviously. We are not worthy. top of his game. Yes. Um. So there's that. And then obviously, like there's Harry Potter references already in the second verse. Yeah, just this. I think it's just this idea that so we don't get to control what our childhoods are. When adults are still making decisions for us, like we don't we don't necessarily have the ability or 
or develop the ability, I feel like, to make good, or at least I don't feel like I did, to make good decisions for myself and for my mental health and for my physical health. And you just kind of get handed all these different things. You get handed all these distractions very early on in life. Mm -hmm. Um, Garbage food, (laughs) snack food. Uh Um, (laughs) Also, like the entertainment that you're given is is kind of mind-numbing. If it's not PBS programming, <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm just kidding. None of that's true. But yeah, I think it's just it, it kind of is hitting on this existential crisis of growing up and feeling like you got handed all of this different stuff to kind of work through yourself. Yeah. That you have to figure out how to work through yourself because nobody's going to reach down and help you do that. So those things for you are the, the things that you feel like you got handed that you had to work through yourself oh gosh I, I don't even know i don't even know how to dive into this without it sounding like weird or accusatory no one cares yeah go on yeah i feel like i was definitely i'm mean, like i'm obviously the first in the birth order i say obviously we talked about that on a few episodes ago so just for everybody that's you're been an listening. eldest i'm i'm a eldest, youngest you're a youngest yeah which is why i really feel like we i feel like the two of us fall naturally into like this very bizarre elder brother, younger brother working relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, that I think that's true because I take everything so seriously and I'm constantly I'm just like trying to talk myself out (laughs) of being serious about everything. And I'm just like, let's go. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. What was your question? <laughs> what are the you, things? What are the what, things what are the that things? you feel? I mean, we've already talked about how, you know, like in the intro to the album, you talked about how you were just kind of handed the Christian music industry thing. And I assume your Baptist, was it Baptist? That yeah. Your Baptist faith is I, one I of those I think you just, things. you go through a lot of experiences that sort of disillusion you. Sure. To, and... And part of, I feel like the theme of this song is is probably just millennial disillusionment. Yep. It's almost like a maybe a, a, a harder form of like the song Holding Out or something that we did. Like it's a little more snappy, a little more sarcastic. And Another great song. Mean, yeah. So like, oh yeah, like we've got the map to the backyard bones that you buried down in some stay-at-home moms and pop secretary. Like, Do you want me to do a dramatic reading? <laughs> not, not for this one. Okay. <laughs> not, not for this one. For something a little, a little goofier, <laughs> that would be amazing. It's just like you you grow up and you you all of a sudden one day wake up and you understand what, what scandal is. You experience the scandal. You experience yeah. you know all these different, even something as simple as like a sexual ethic that that is put on you. Um, yeah. As a child a, a in purity, purity culture. Cult, a purity culture. Thing. Right. Okay, so I'm really glad that you brought that up because so many of my friends who are still Christians, who are, so I have one really, really great friend who is still, I wouldn't call him evangelical, but he he's still very much just a Protestant Christian. Yeah. But we went out to lunch the other day and he was just like, you know, this whole purity culture thing right. is such bullshit. And there are so many people who are kind of struggling to work through the catastrophic emotional effects of purity culture and that it's just okay to be human and human beings are sexual. Right. Yeah, no, I I, I love that too. I Far be it from me to decide what someone's sexual ethic should be. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, in terms of the song, just kind of like realizing that nobody has their shit together and that at any moment... <laughs> You know, the cards can just fall. 
Right. Um, yeah, which I guess is just life. That's just real life. Do we want to move on to the next? Yeah, sure. Why well, not? Or do you have more? <laughs> do you have more to say about this one? No, I think. Do you want to say anything about the, the, the nerdy technical musical side <laughs> of it? I don't know what the words are for this. No, that's it. That's good. I, okay. The only thing like technically weird about this one is that I mean most most of this record is just or of, of that song in particular is just a whole lot of different samples stacked on top of each other and the one synth, I think that might have that whole record might have just been one synthesizer which is like the Moog sub fatty that whole record meaning this entire that sorry that whole song okay got it yeah just kind of one thing so Moog fatty <laughs> is that is that what you said yes okay a sub fatty sub fatty it's like sub-fatty? are you are you calling me names no right now <laughs> are, you, are you insulting me <laughs> Oh no! I just I <laughs> I'm becoming so aware of the disparity between like things that are going to interest me or things that I nerd out about and things, things that, that are going to interest you could your not be bothered to give a shit. Things about. that are going to interest your audience versus my audience. Oh, of course. No, but it's fine. You can you can totally geek out, and I'm sure some probably just one listener of Sacred Tension will absolutely love it, which is great. Go for it. Moving on. Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so the next song is Fear the Fire. I love this song. Mm. Oh, you're you're a gem. I'm gonna I'm gonna rip off my shirt right now and they're gonna <laughs> sign my titties right now. I need your signature. If I had a baby, I would I would make you sign my baby. Oh. I have cats. Sweet. You can sign my cat. I don't have them with me though. Uh, yeah. I yeah, I could do that. Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this song I mean I think of everything on the record. This one I remember kind of digging pretty deep for, like throughout the writing process of this record, in, of basic glitches, like in particular, a lot of a lot of where these songs come from are me jotting down the thoughts that I'm having uh, right after I'm getting out of therapy sessions, uh-huh. <laughs> and so a lot of it's kind of that, which in this way was helpful for me because it sort of demystifies therapy it kind of takes all the bits that you are exploring when you're talking to somebody who doesn't have doesn't have a a stake in your life personally they're just kind of there to talk you through what you're thinking and to help you make sense of your thought patterns and your experiences and so a lot of the stuff that I talked about in therapy was just how hard how hard it is to come to terms with the fact that you that you grew up the way that you did what I mean by that in particular that I think this song is about is like not really quite being able to come to terms with the fact that there were adults in my life who were continuing to perpetuate this narrative that I mean from a very young age that if you don't get your shit together you will burn you will burn in hell which is traumatizing it it was traumatizing for, for me. Yeah. It was, well, it was I, traumatizing for me as, as well. Yeah. Like, I remember being a nine-year-old child staying up at night terrified of hell. Yes. Like, it just horrified of me. Of course. It was so terrifying. Well, and your father was also a pastor. Yeah, both my parents are pastors. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> you can see how well that turned out. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so... Also, the that one lyric touched myself, brought about the apocalypse. When I heard this, <laughs> I swear to God, when I heard when I heard this song, I thought touched myself thinking about the apocalypse. For some reason, that's and I'm like, 
That's an. In- I wonder what that means. I need to ask Matt about that. <laughs> 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 like getting off on. The, oh thinking, wow! Thinking about the end times, which is what a lot of Christians do. Yeah, metaphorically speaking. Anyway, that's. What- yeah, it's it's kind of this this whole narrative of like you know it, it's always talking about how things are going to be better when we're dead. Right. It is just constantly looking forward to the sweet release of this life, and and the fact of the matter is like. Nobody really has any proof of what happens after this. And so if you dedicate your entire life to an ideology that everything here on earth right now is going to be miserable, it's going to be awful, it's going to be nothing but a struggle, and the only thing that we can look forward to is the sweet respite of death. I just feel like what an awful way to live your life. Like what an awful way to experience the the wonder or the miracle of what it is that we're even here at all, that we can feel things like love and and loss and that we can connect with each other on a very deep and personal emotional levels and experience all of the the roller coaster ride of emotions that makes life so rich. Yeah. I don't know why you would throw all of that out the window because you can't control it. So this song really, really connects with me growing up gay in the church. Mm. Like it really resonates, especially <clears throat> so these lyrics right here crushed my health while my trust turned to rust in you. I prayed away myself for you. That was my entire life. Yeah. as a gay person in the church mm. kind of this constant self-negating to up to to hold myself up to this impossible theoretical standard mm. of heterosexuality and masculinity yeah and if i didn't then i was somehow you know distorting god's plan for the cosmos Right. And there were grave consequences to that. Which is still an idea that somebody <clears throat> painted for you. That oh, yeah. somebody painted for them. Someone that, created that. Right. And, and implanted that in me. And it, it's like it held me hostage. It was like a virus. Yeah. It was like a like an intellectual thought virus that just made me sick. Yeah. For, I would say, most of my life. Yeah. Looking back... Now this song resonates mm. so much as, you know, going through ex-gay therapy, yeah. trying to go to conferences, going to support groups, reading books, praying, talking to friends, you know, doing everything I could to not be who I am. Right. Which is a gay person. Right. And uh, finally, I realized that n- nothing would change that. But. It took a lot of pain and suffering and mm. misery and unnecessary suffering right. to eventually get there. And so this song connects all, so much with All that. in the name of, of God's best for you. All in the that, name of God's best. And that's so the <laughs> irony. That is the, kind of the disgusting <laughs> irony of it. Yeah. You know, when the result is like this Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Do you know mm. what that is? <laughs> Where... It's um, or not by proxy, but just Munchausen syndrome, where it's like you you're perfectly well, but you still believe that you need a wheelchair anyway. Right. And that's really I feel like that's what growing up in that toxic evangelical culture is like, because whether you're gay or not, we all have some part of ourselves, something 
that we feel isn't right. Yeah. Isn't good enough. And we feel like we are sick because of that thing. And and the right. end result is we confine ourselves to this we confine ourselves to these tiny little kind of broom closet worlds mm. to, to these little uh you know claustrophobic worlds when there's the whole world out there yeah of course and there's this whole world of experience yeah and so yeah and, and i yeah this song just resonates so hard for me well i really yeah i really really appreciate you saying that i was absolutely thinking about all of my gay friends when i when i wrote the line i prayed away myself for you now i'm now in pop culture Pray away the gay is a like it was a very real thing, and it's still and a very a, and real it's still a very real thing. Very but now real. it's kind of like floated to the top of pop culture, where this is how we come to terms with the fact that there are people who are trying to oppress the sexuality yes. of others in the name of Christ. And and there's been so many different like cartoon episodes about this. One of my favorite ones was King of the Hill. Uh huh. Um, I haven't seen that one. South Park. Yeah. I mean, there's such great commentary on that. I feel like now, yeah, it was just it was a hard thing to think about. I feel like in that way. I've always related to or felt like I understood in some way what people meant or what people in the LGBTQ community who had have had this experience and who have tried to become something else. I've always felt like I understood on a very fundamental level how frustrating or difficult or damaging that was because for me, it wasn't homosexuality. For me, it was just the overthinking of the thing it was it was the existential crisis it was and it's also just being human just being a person it's just being a person with yeah. a body and a mind <laughs> you know it's right it's so it, it it i feel like parts of evangelical culture really villainize parts of being human yeah which is just what it means to be a human being what it means to have sexuality or what it means well, to have a me, brain <laughs> that was that was being told to oppress sorry Yes, just being told to to tamp down my emotions mm. and to pretend like I didn't have them, or that because I could not fabricate the right emotions at the right time, that somehow I w I wasn't who I should have been. I mean, most of my childhood was me just being terrified that I couldn't, that I didn't feel the way all the I thought all the other Christians around me felt. Like I would hear pastors stand up on stage and say, you have to know that you know that you know. And when Christ comes into your life and he changes you and like he, <laughs> when Christ comes into your life and he changes you, you know it, you feel it. You feel that peace that passes all understanding. And it's something that you can always come back to. And now as an adult, I look at that and say, in what relationship would you ever enter it and then feel like the person on the other side of that relationship wanted to come change you, change everything about you, that that would be okay and that that's going to end up being functional. Or, that you just forfeit all expect, of these things about yourself. Yes. Or expect a relationship to not have any doubt. Right. Every relationship has misgivings. Every relationship yes. has doubt. Right. And so to expect that of an even more tenuous relationship with this almighty invisible being right. that you can't hear, taste, touch, smell, or <laughs> see yeah. is uh, is cruelty. Yeah. It, it's so cruel. It's a form of torture. Well, and as well-meaning as I feel like all of these people were, I feel like 
they were they have their own set of struggles yes and things like and I it was can't, handed to them right i can't it imagine what it's to like them. to be a, a pastor and to know that everyone's human and has doubts and are, are intrinsically flawed people and to stand up on stage and to constantly be spewing this rhetoric that everything's fine everything's okay if you're doing this right there won't be any of these issues and you it somehow makes you acceptable to christ you get caught into this whole circular thinking where it's like the more miserable that I am, mm-hmm. the closer to Christ I must be. Yeah, and and I know for a fact that a lot of pastors do have doubts. Yeah, because they talk. Uh, some of them talk to me about it. Yeah, but they never feel like they can be honest. Right in front of their congregation, they never feel like they can they can speak clearly about what they're actually feeling because they're afraid of of losing losing the illusion of leadership or yeah. you know of feeling yeah. like they have something to offer so there's that you were asking me about yeah i touched myself brought about the apocalypse <laughs> line in there that that was very much like the that's very it's like sexual shaming yeah of course that i feel like i experienced as a kid yeah me too like if you are <clears throat> if you're doing this if you're like behaving with your body in this way you know, God sees. Can we just it's, like go off on a tangent yes, here for a please. second, real quick? This is one of the issues. The perviest with like, God. Yes. Ever. Like I don't understand why you're you're constantly being told <laughs> that you're the pervert, but then this deity that you're supposed to be worshiping is the one who's like who's obsessing who's, over who's it. watching you who's, masturbate who's and thinking about it way more than you are. Right, and who <laughs> like who was happy for you when you find someone to share your marriage bed with and that you like the idea that, that Jesus also, I don't know for everybody who's listening, who grew up in Protestant evangelical culture, you know exactly what we're talking about. This, you get told and painted this narrative that like Jesus is somehow, if you find the right person and you're both virgins when you're married and you you engage it's in somehow Congress. something to <laughs> right? be it's in somehow the, something to be celebrated if you're both right virgins. just the whole idea of christian purity and saving yourself for marriage and and like the way that it gets the way that it gets put to you is that your value is tied up in your sexual purity yeah it's disgusting which is i feel like it's probably one of the most damaging things you could ever say to young people yes. that this is your va- your worth is in not having fucked anyone before well and my belief is that virginity doesn't exist i don't think i don't think virginity is a thing i think there are just people i think there are just <laughs> I think there are there just, are no virgins. There are just people. Yeah, exactly. I I think that sexuality is ex, is a spectrum, and I think the experience of sex is a spectrum as well. Mm. And at no point does a threshold get crossed. Yeah, it's just something people do, and right. there can be good sex, and there can be bad sex, and right? There can be momentous sex that feels like a crossing <laughs> of a threshold, and then there's. Right. Not that at all. Yeah. And and so I feel like drawing a line in a sand in the sand and saying this is where you lose your virginity is stupid. Doesn't quite make sense. It makes zero sense. Yeah. There there's no such thing as virginity. We just we're just human beings. Yeah. I totally I totally understand that take. Anyways. Um, do you want to talk about the uh oh, before we do that, actually. Hold yeah. on. Let me let me pull up. Which one are we on? 
Fear the Fire. Fear the Fire. If that's where we were, the lyrics that we've been covering now, this bit I feel like is where I am now, where it says, we don't fear the fire and we don't need your ceremony, sacraments or matrimony. We don't fear the fire and we don't need permission slips. Your vaccinized evangelists had a dream that you watched me die. You lit the cigarette that burned me alive. So give my best to the 99. We don't fear the fire. And it's like this, I interpret that as like this place of liberation, of just being like, fuck all of you. <laughs> um, personally, like, like I, we don't need these ceremonies. We don't need these sacraments. We don't need these affirmations from the religious world we can just be who and what we are without shame yeah i, I mean, don't know if that's what you intended no, as you were I, writing i think it, that's, that's what i, I think I that's very very um accurate on a lot of different levels like the line like we don't fear the fire is my this idea that the the idea of hell was held over me for so long and if i'm really honest with myself like i think i probably stopped believing in that in in an actual in a literal hell years and years ago yeah because i didn't quite fit any narrative that made sense to me it's e also even just about christianity horrific. or about like what i understood the person of jesus to be or his yeah. role within history and it was like i you have these gatekeepers of religion you have these people that are the social that you know the social influencers of Protestant evangelicalism in America who want to hold the keys to how you interpret the sacred text and they want to hold the keys to to morality and ethicality and what that looks like and tie all of their politics to it as well. I feel like in doing that, they completely miss the point of religion for people <laughs> or what yes. or, or the purpose that religion is supposed to serve. Yeah. And to that end, actually, I can sit here all day long and just bash religion, you know, and just sound sure. like, you know, a, a ponytailed Birkenstock wearing uh, <laughs> Mountain Dew drinking right. new atheist. Right. Um, and there there's a degree to which that's accurate. But I do think that there's such a thing as healthy religion, which mm. is why I still consider myself a deeply religious person. Sure. It's like there's a difference between healthy and unhealthy religion. And, yes. and so for me personally, for some people, it's best for them to just get rid of religion altogether. And mm -hmm. like, that's great. Like go off. Like that's what you need to do. Yeah. For me, I find it healthier for whatever reason to retain my religiosity, but to reinvent it, mm. to find a, a better healthier religion that is self-aware that is compassionate that is em, that embraces everyone that is personal that is um that expresses the truth about you that expresses the truth about me is flexible that can evolve and does <laughs> not have this idea of, of right of uh, horrible punishment after we extended die. cash spending limit flexible dates absolutely <laughs> international flights <laughs> <laughs> all right do yeah. you want do you have do you want to get into the nerdy technical stuff well i mean unless no, you have more to say here no it's just yeah this this song means an awful lot to me because it's also me kind of like i, I everybody that listens to the podcast knows that i used to be a professor at a college and that ultimately ended up having to leave that position because they wanted us to sign a document 
that said very specifically that we believe the Bible is only translated you were the one specific the way. Yeah. And so I found myself in this weird situation where I was like doing my absolute best to stand up for my friends and my family who are part of the LGBTQ community. And also just for the religious freedom of saying like, you don't have a chokehold on yeah. the Bible. Like you are a small independent college claiming that like no nobody can work for you hmm. if they don't adhere to these ideas and beliefs about the Bible. And at, and at that point, like everybody that was working there, like, was for all intents and purposes like could hang with a lot of christian teaching yeah it was a very very broad table it was a broad and that was what was so great about yeah. that college but then they put people again yeah into a position where either they left or they felt like they have to lie right. because everyone will eventually i think some people this isn't true but i eventually someone is going to have doubt right about that line and they don't need to feel like it's not a safe place to express the truth about yourself, which is that you doubt everything you're supposed to. Yeah, exactly. Doubt comes from a healthy place oftentimes. Um, For sure. Yeah, so the matrimony line is it's totally came from that. Okay. Of feeling like, why, why is everybody sitting here like putting such a high premium on the acceptance and the love of this community of mm. the of the Christian community, when ultimately you could just say fuck it, <laughs> like yeah. wait, I, it's not it's not important. I understand that th it's a lot. That is a reductionist uh, take on mm. all of that <laughs> to some degree, but I just mean like it comes from a place in me personally of just that frustration of like fuck it, take your version of marriage that you feel so strongly about. Yeah. Take all of these different things that you consider to be sacred within your religion that you're beating everybody else up over, that you are constantly barring the gates, uh, you know, uh, not allowing anyone entry into your world. Like, it just, I came to this boiling point where I was like, fine, take it. Yeah. I'm so tired of, like, trying to convince everybody here in this room that I have a place here and that I can exist mm -hmm. here. Just take the room. Story of my life. I don't have to come back. <laughs> Story of my fucking life. No, I for real though, that I feel like what you just said, like you can have it. You know, like I'm I'm tired of trying to carve out a I'm tired of fighting for my inclusion. Yeah. And um I that's one reason why I've really abandoned the term Christian mm -hmm. for myself because I'm I'm tired of fighting for my place within the church. It's just like fuck this <laughs> you know ever since i <laughs> i've been a public christian for over 10 years yeah and it feels like that entire time it was always a battle it was mm -hmm. always a fight and eventually people are just going to give up like eventually people it doesn't matter how strong you are eventually people are just going to be fatigued and just walk away everyone has a breaking point exactly and so no i totally relate to that also I hate weddings, so fuck <laughs> matrimony. <laughs> They're the most, and actually, John and I we're not legally married, right? Um, yet, really, the only reason we will be legally married at some point is for the legal benefits. That's the only reason why. Yeah, we have zero intention of ever having a wedding or ceremony. Yeah. It's like that's not important to us. <laughs> that's awesome. Anyways, yeah. The only other thing I would even want to say about this record or about this song in particular, somebody asked me about on a Skype call the other day. They were like, so what does give so give my best to the 99 mean? And I was like, well, when I was growing up in church, there was this narrative that was sort of half Bible, half created, 
that, you know, you grow up hearing that Christ is the good shepherd. You describe yourself as being like a, a lamb, like with, within the church. I know this sounds so crazy when I'm talking about it now, but uh, if you grew up in the church in this way, you'll totally understand this metaphor of like God is the good shepherd right. and he will leave the fold and a good shepherd will leave the, the 99 sheep in his fold to go find the one lamb who has gone astray. Mm. While that's supposed to be a really comforting thing to you that that somehow, um, no matter where you are in your life, that God is always there, that he's always trying to bring you back into the fold. Over time, it took on a totally different meaning for me. Like, yeah, I understood the intended purpose of it. But then it, as the older that I got, the more I just kind of related more to the lamb that couldn't stay. Yeah, I feel like I can't be with that group. I feel like I don't have a place there that I don't. Mm -hmm. it, it's been such a struggle of trying to fit in that it's almost like looking back at everybody and saying, I'm fine being the one. Like, you guys can be the 99 if you want to, but where I am in life, I just feel more comfortable saying, well, I'm here. Mm -hmm. And if, if your mythology, if your about Christianity is true, then, and, and and there is such a thing as Christ, and he is a good shepherd, and he does bring people back into the fold, then trust in that. Yeah. Find, you know, find solace in that narrative. But for me, it doesn't matter anymore that I need to leave. I need to figure out ways of, like, withdrawing the poison out of myself and figuring out a healthier way to do life and to view religion in the world. And I... Yeah. 100% get that. Yeah, that's great. So, okay. So for everybody listening, we, we're we obviously getting a lot more wordy. and This happens every single time. It happens every time together. Stephen and I do a podcast together. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to split this up into a few different episodes. And if this is the kind of thing, if this is your bag and you're totally into talking about the, the thought process behind the song lyrics and everything, yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, for sure. And if you're not into that, don't worry. I'll be back to interviewing <laughs> Satanists and sex workers in no time. So, but I think, I, I, I do actually think that listeners of Sacred Tension will be into this because it does get into like that, you know, that personal religious history and processing that is kind of the bedrock yeah. of Sacred Tension. Also, you do all the music for the show. So they're, they, they hear this music and so <laughs> they get to hear the, the voice and the life behind the music of Sacred Tension. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So shall we call it a show? We shall call it a show. Thank you, everybody, for being here. We will be back next week with brand new album commentary Yay! for Basic Glitches. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.
Yeah, we're killing my body. Why can't you?